Hello and welcome to the Lakeshore Records podcast on Q With. I'm your host, Alon Levitin, and I had the great pleasure of speaking with the two-time Oscar-winning, multi-Grammy winning composer, producer, recording artist, and all-around badass Gustavo Santaolaja. They say never meet your heroes, but connecting with Gustavo was a one-of-a-kind, enlightening, fun experience, making this one of my favorite conversations to date. We discussed how Gustavo became an enemy of the state in jail for having long hair and playing rock and roll, the revolutionary rise of his band Arcor Iris and Argentinian folk music, his ever-expanding audience from teenage stardom to scoring apocalyptic video games, composing for The Last of Us, Babel, Finch, and his iconic Brokeback Mountain theme. Working with NASA to bridge quantum physics, sonic frequencies, and music therapy, the immeasurable impact of the Beatles, Che Guevara, Eastern philosophy, and experimental drugs, Anne Hathaway's canny ear for dissonance, the honesty and power of punk rock, what it's like to win a second Oscar, the wonder of Tom Hanks, creative freedom with Steven Spielberg, good versus bad music and art versus craftsmanship, finding the spirit of a sacred instrument like the Ron Rocco, and so much more. Finch is out now worldwide via Lakeshore Records. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Gustavo just as much as I did. Welcome, Gustavo. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I'm really, really very honored and excited to, to listen and learn. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for those kind words. I, I want to see what I, what I can just share with you. <laughs> Uh, well, first of all, how are you? How have you been? Congratulations been, on all the success and everything. Thank you so much. I've been very, very well. I've been, you know, uh, working hard as usual, you know, many things, uh, um, some, uh, um, some, some relevant things that have happened in this last couple of months. I mean, I, I went to Spain. I did a small tour, which was the first thing after the uh, pandemic, you know, that, uh, that I could the first first of all the first big trip that I took you know because you know went to Spain uh, and also the first time playing live uh, again in front of of an audience although it was like you know the reduced forums uh, but they were all you know sold out I mean it was, it was just you know three concerts but one of the really nice things about it was that uh, I sort of now uh, have a new format too because usually I mean the way I presented myself live was or either uh, with a group that I've been a part, a, a, a creator, a co-producer and a founding member, a, a group called Bajo Fondo, which we mix, you know, uh, tango, milonga, candombe with uh, uh, electronica and rock and hip hop. And this is a band that we, you know, tour ar around the world. Uh, and my solo stuff that I, I usually presented with a with a band with a with a combo. Uh, this time I presented my music with a symphony orchestra. So it was me, uh, a soloist that I bring with me, another guy that is kind of like my right hand, uh, and and the symphony orchestra. And so we we played in Malaga in Asturias, and we did this amazing concert in Madrid in probably the the, the one of the most important. Uh, venues in, in Spain, which is El Auditorio Nacional, some, something very, a place very, very similar to the Disney Hall, mm -hmm. same type of layout uh, theater, you know, with the audience in the back and the organ, oh, those kind of the same, same type of thing. Uh, I, I would say slightly bigger than the, than the Disney Hall, and those things, it went fantastic, and really, I mean, also gave me a, a true uh, 
scope of what's happening in terms of you know my audience you know and now i have really really expand my audience to the point that i have people of my age because uh, probably i don't know if you know but i started very at a very very young age in argentina I started making records at, when i was 17 years old uh and uh so you know i i, I was very successful at that age so there's people that have been following my career since those days up to kids now 14 year old you know 13 year old 16 year old that are fans of the last of us of the video game you know mm -hmm. so i have this new all probably a third of the audiences in all the places that uh, that i uh that i um that i present uh, myself were were people of that age so it's, it's really interesting to see that this wide spectrum of an audience and that people some people you know know this but they don't this other side you know or either they know some music from a movie but or either they know my songs but they don't know you know the the video game or either they know the video game but they know but the great things because i do meet and greets and those things is that people actually kind of get converted to my music in general so finally they end up you know uh digging and and actually enjoying and and and, cons and consuming you know uh, other sides of my my music and not precisely the ones that they came for the first time uh, attracted to you know yeah I mean, you have such a huge repertoire of music and so many diverse genres that you've crossed uh, you know globally it's i'm sure it's it's still uh, a process for you though even though you've done so much to to articulate yourself as an artist who are you as an artist uh -huh. uh, outside of all of these projects you know there's there's the utility that you serve with it. Correct, correct. I, I'm very conscious that when I'm working for a film or for I'm working for this, that I'm I'm providing a service, uh, in this case, to to the to the director, you know, or, or to the writer, to the people that actually have the vision about the 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 project and who who command the project. So I'm very very conscious about that. The same thing when I'm producing. Uh, and now we have produced now more than a hundred albums and there's groups like Cafe Tacuba that I've been working with for uh, more than 20 years now uh, from you know the very first I have a lot of artists that I actually feel uh, I was you know at least one of the, 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 the pieces that put them in the map that helped them put them in the map Many, a lot of first albums by many artists you know from Julieta Venegas to Juanes to Café Tacuba eh, to Maldita Vecindad to I mean lots of artists eh, Leon Gieco eh, from all over uh, Latin America eh, and very diverse to musically you know I, I'd like to ask you you know my, my history is on, on the region is could be better yeah. why did folk music become so popular in Argentina during that time. Okay, I mean, you mean American folk music or what? Or, or, or Latin, Latin talking, like Arco Iris. Well, no, but Arco Iris, you know, Arco Iris, amazing <clears throat> enough, <clears throat> we were a very rare uh, kind of, of band. I mean, we were really resisted by the rock intelligentsia, not by the audience. We have a huge audience. I mean, we were, at a certain point, we were the number one band in Argentina for for. Yeah, for you know, it was a time that actually that position was taken by different bands at a time, you know. But we are really pioneers. We were after Lito Nevia with Los Gatos, then comes you know Almendra Manal Arcoiris and Box Day, and those are the four pillars actually that were all everything was built. But uh, 
I felt, I mean, remember that uh, one of the things that was very different, I mean, in the history of rock and roll, right, was actually the appearance of the Beatles. They really changed the, the whole thing, right? And and so when that happened, you know, uh, uh I got my electric first electric guitar when I was 12 years old. My parents gave it to me. And I imagine at that time, I mean, I'm talking about many, many, many years ago. <laughs> so it was very rare. And we come from a middle-class family or not, you know, like wealthy or upper class or nothing like that. So it was a, you know, it was a big effort for my parents to do that. But they always saw that in me, that talent for the music. And they really know nurture it but you know my first albums that i bought was you know gi blues by presley and uh an album by mexican group called los teen tops that sang rock and roll but sang in spanish you know so those were the first two two albums but very you know a few years after that's when you know when the beatles came you know and uh and really blew my mind. I said, I want to do this. And, you know, like many people around the world. And my first songs that I did in that vein were in English. Mm-hmm. I went to a British school for my elementary school. So I had a simple handle of the language. And, and I, so I did. And then not very when I was already like 14, I started questioning, you know, I said, I mean, why I'm singing in English. I live in Argentina, you know, in Latin America and, and, uh, I have to sing in, in 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 my my language, you know, so people understand what I have to, what I want to say. But very soon I realized we we shouldn't not only uh, sing in in our language, but we should play in our language too. And also because of the Beatles, because they show us that you could mix all kinds of music. I mean, one of the great things about them was that we saw them uh, growing, we saw them grow up as, as artists in front of our eyes. And anything that they were exposed to, they love it, they throw it in the, into their music, you know, concrete music or, you know, or, you know, Stockhausen, they listen to, or they go and they did, you know, something or, or you know, medieval music or, you know, music from India, you know. So, and they never lost their identity. They were always the Beatles, anyhow, you know. So, that was like my thing. I, I went, you know, why, why, why we can't put a, a chacarera rhythm, you know, in, uh, in, in, in rock, you know what I mean? Why, why not, you know, or why can't we use a, a quena or a charango in our, you know, or a rocco in, in, in our music. And, uh, and there was only a few bands in the region. There was another band in Chile called Los Jaivas, another band in Peru called El Polen, and one in Bolivia called Los Guaras. And we were the four bands that south there that we did this this kind of of fusion so folk argentinian folk music have been become very popular in the early 60s in argentina i don't know what phenomena happened but it became very very popular and that's actually the first group that i had when i was 10 years old was an argentinian folk uh, group you know we played folkloric music you know how did you have, I mean, I'm just thinking of a 14 year old. I'm just thinking of the average 14 year old who, what 14 year old has this self-awareness and understanding of <laughs> cultural and national identity. I guess it's not natural. It's, it's a uh, uh, Latin. Would you say Latin is the overarching? Yes. yes, but um, yes. I mean, I, uh, in my case too, because remember, I mean, I, I come from that, the, that those, you know, the sixties and part of the seventies. I mean, they're really such an important time in the history of humankind. I mean, if you think everything that happened during those years, I mean, it was 
coexisted, you know, they coexist. The Beatles, Che Guevara, you know, this Latin American vision, revolutionary vision. The Eastern philosophies started coming to, uh, to the West. The first experimentation with the substances that would alter the consciousness, your state of consciousness, uh, all these unbelievable things. I mean, let's uh, remember that the World Wide Web was came from that era. You know, it was born between CERN, you know, and uh, here and uh, in Northern California. You know, one created the, the, the World Wide Web and the other created the software to actually navigate it. You know, and uh, so it all comes from that that was incredible, incredible moment in in our in our history. So I think part of that also helped us become aware. And also, we lived. I mean, I grew up, you know, in Argentina, which was a very uh, uh, a country that suffered a lot under the ruling of military dictatorships. You know, actually, you know, I have kind of had to leave Argentina in 78 because uh, uh, because it was not safe for me to be there, you know? So I, I was in jail many times between 15 and 24, uh, just for uh, 24 hours, 48 hours, because they couldn't really put me in jail because I didn't do anything, you know? I didn't belong to any political party. I didn't do any drugs, nothing. I just had long hair and play rock music. Yeah. And that was already enough for you to become an enemy of the state, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, uh, but in in any case, parallel to that, thirty thousand people disappear at the hands of the government. You know, mm-hmm. so any everybody in Argentina has either a relative, a neighbor, or somebody that you know that that somehow was a victim of 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 that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so all those things, you know kind of like make you, I would say, aware of many things at a younger age because you, you grow up with that reality all the time. And so it's, it's a kind of almost like a matter of survival to be aware, you know, mm-hmm. of, of this, these things. Yeah, that, uh, makes, that makes perfect sense. That makes a lot of sense. Uh-huh. The wisdom is uh, something that's almost forced upon you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The reality and also limitations, you know, I mean, it's, what a great thing. Because limitations, you know, uh, demands uh, creativity, demands, it forces your imagination. You know? So so you do have quite an imagination. Um, and I, I know I've heard you say that you think of music in visual terms, and it certainly elicits, like, you know, very visual things. And I've heard you speak about uh, you tend to choose your projects just simply based on what vibrates with you. Right. I've also heard you say something that, is is a very simple statement i'm not sure if as an artist myself i agree with but i would okay. love to tease it out okay um, buena y mala good music yes. and bad music correct can we just dive in for a second absolutely absolutely no problem when i first heard you say it i was like ah, it's a little binary for me well, let me let me let me elaborate a little bit. But the, the 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 statement, you know, we have to put it in context too. The context was, you know, when people ask you, for example, uh, or when people not only ask but but sort of uh, makes a statement about saying, for example, reggaeton, you know, reggaeton, you know, it's uh, that's not music, 
or you know reggaeton. I mean, what do you say about you know now the 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 the, the, the state of music? You know, uh, when reggaeton is what really what is you know selling. I mean, it was you know around that moment, but it could be not reggaeton. It could be something else. You know what I mean? Uh, Britney Spears or whatever. You know, whatever you want to. But I I just think again i'm going to say that music is divided into categories good or bad and in that good or bad there's a few things that that i i i uh have i uh, that i can articulate one of the things sorry that i sidetrack a little bit but one of the things that had happened with me in my life is that because i'm so old and stuff <laughs> i have lots of concepts and and things that i have Uh, play with since a very early age that only after many years I was able to articulate in words mm-hmm. all this stuff about the the identity and looking out for my identity all that I was doing it totally by intuition I didn't have a, a, a reasoning behind it you know what I mean it was very very simple it was something that my gut feel that you know what I mean my use of silence in music you know those when I heard for the first time that you know I remember James Seamus from Focus that told me, no, because, you know, the way you use negative space. And I thought, man, what a great word to, <laughs> to express, you know, silence and stuff. You know, all that I can now articulate much better in words. So in a way, I mean, this is, I'm going to try to do that with the with concept of good and bad music. There, there's something, first of all, that is extremely important for me, which is honesty. Mm-hmm. When, when music is honest or when it's simply, because I also, we're talking about music as an art form, mm-hmm. right? Okay, as an art form. Entonces, as, as an art form, I think, you know, honesty is fundamental. And I've always have said, why? Because good and bad. Because there is, there are, you know, there is, great classical music but also there's bad classical music i mean there is great alternative music but there is awful alternative music the fact that it's alternative doesn't mean that it's good and there is some some kind of thing attached to genres that people think oh this is not music you know what i mean this is music no no so for me honesty is extremely important in what you, in what you in what you do you know and that already can make something good Even if I don't like it, I didn't say that I liked everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. You know, it can be something that I consider that is good music, but I just it doesn't do it for me. But it doesn't mean that it's bad. So honestly, whereas there's music that are totally a product, almost designed by artificial intelligence, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, or natural stupidity, however you want to. <laughs> artificial sure. intelligence or natural natural stupidity. But, you know, once, you know, I see sometimes, I mean, this, this, uh, I mean, snippets of them, you know, but this uh, uh, lectures on songwriting and stuff. And then when they explain you, you know, how many bars you have to do before the thing and then, you know, waiting for the chorus and the pre-chorus. Well, that's like, you know, like learning how to build a chair. That's not art. You know what I mean? That's, that's craftsmanship, you know, which is a different thing. You know what I mean? So... Uh, for me, uh, once again, honesty is is super super important. And then, whatever, because also music can serve different purposes. Sometimes music is for you know to relax. Sometimes music is actually music that that invites you to to you know reflect 
in, in in different you know thoughts also with songs and you have you know the lyrics too you know but also there's music that is just you know to dance and to you know and to and to you know celebrate and and you know and and if all, any kind of music is done with honesty already for me just it's tilting to the to the to the good music you know what i mean because on it whereas you know something that is totally manufactured and produced it can it can work it can sell a lot of records you know but it doesn't mean that it's you know for me doesn't you know it's 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 a it's a that's what i don't what i consider bad music you know yeah. or music that is actually you know a copy of music that somebody else already has done it you know i think Another factor that is important is the identity of the music, you know, the originality of the music, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, there's a few elements that I can say that will determine to me when something I consider good music or bad music. But again, not necessarily means that I have to like it. Sure, sure. It sounds like the number one variable, the first filter is authenticity, right? It's like, is it, if it's authentic, that's almost like a synonym for good. Correct. Right? And the craft can be sacrificed. For example, when I first learned how to play the drums, you know, I heard, I heard some, um, just, just as a random example, I just heard the JBs, I heard some James Brown, and I just was like, oh, I listened to that and some John Bonham and yeah. uh, some uh, West African drumming. And I thought, I just got to do this, right? Now, did I, when I tried to replicate it, I wasn't very, I didn't have the coordination, but I was honest. I was going for it. I was. Exactly, exactly. And, 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 and a, a group like Maldita Vecindad, for example, you know, it's a, a group that was so funny because they, the drummer, you know, used to come with this, come up with this really very complex part that actually, you know, he can barely play. There was, yeah. a, but that tension between a guy trying to, you know, play and the other one, I mean, that friction, you know, between, you know, the, the band sounded like a car that lost, they lost control of the car that was about to go out of the road, you know, or a cliff. But that tension was amazing. They can barely play almost, you know, I mean, you know, and not be in, in certain cases not not getting there you know but uh, but it was fantastic it was so honest you know uh, that, uh, that look what happened with punk i mean when i came to this country in 1978 you know i was coming from a place where music still had that context of the 60s you know where where you know we really when 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 rock became uh, sort of the folk music of the, the young people in the world the music that was the young people took to express their insatisfaction with their system and with established order and all all that stuff and i came here and the bands were boston kansas <laughs> awful you know but but that same year you know the pistols disbanded in san francisco and ramones you know and all this thing and and you know and the kids that you had barely had to play two chords and it had much more honesty and power than any of that music that was done, you know? So that, for me, that's, and, and, and of course, it's very personal. Sure. It's very personal. When I say that it's bad or good, I'm talking for myself. I'm not saying that this is the, you know, the, this is written in bronze. No, no, you know, no, no. Okay, that, that I can live with. Um. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, yeah, because it's not, it's not, uh, 
uh, I don't pretend by no means to, to, to you know, to own the, the, the truth, you know, <laughs> at all, at all. Um, I, I have to ask you about Finch. I just saw it last night. Ah, uh, and I, I enjoyed it very much. I have, and I, you know, Tom Hanks, he uh, hits a particular nerve with me. Um, and, and your music hits a particular ner- nerve with me. Oh. So the, the mixture of the two. It is, well, gets emotional. It gets to be, gets emotional. It's That's- very contemplative, you know, as a parent of two kids. I mean, I was taking notes pretty much in my mind. Um, and, you know, the way that you demonstrate uh, both visually, um, you know, the film and also your music, the, the range of human emotion and experience over the beautiful landscapes. It's, it's, uh, it's something to really sit with and recognize. I, I, uh, I really, really like, you know, uh, I, I had mixed feelings, I have to be honest, uh, through the years with Tom Hanks. Mixed feelings in the sense that sometimes, you know, <clears throat> the, 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 the whole or of almost wonder, you know, I don't know, the thing, you know, uh, American thing, you know, sometimes it can, you know, take me aback but uh but obviously i mean i always had tremendous respect but when i saw this and i had the chance to work on music with him i mean the guy is absolutely unbelievable i have my, my greatest respect and admiration i mean you know it's it's hard to work with a robot and a dog <laughs> and he's just unbelievable unbelievable all the the, the, the you know the the way he carries uh, the story is unbelievable. What a master! I mean, you know, I, really, he's to me, he's, to me, he's like sort of like a demigod. He's like always showing, uh, like the proto man, like the best realistic, semi realistic, practical version of what a man could be. In, yeah. his, in his so story. human, so yeah. human, and 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 real, real. You know, it really yeah. gives you real. That's what I mean. It's 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 unbelievable. So I. I uh, I enjoyed, you know, it was it was weird because we were recording the orchestra, you know, at uh, this wonderful stage at Warner Brothers, the Clint Eastwood stage, and uh, the following day, I was going to uh, to Mexico to play as a guest in uh, in a concert by this huge band, Sora Stereo, uh, and uh, as you know in the film, you know, I mean, so what what. Uh, his character uh, Finch goes through right so we were rec- recording the orchestra and you know had the, you have the big screen and you're seeing the scenes and stuff and all these scenes of him you know coughing blood and you know being sick and stuff and then we arrive in Mexico and the newspaper Tom Hanks gets COVID remember he got oh, sick this is unbelievable you know what wow. I mean what I, what I, it was the moment that really exploded as a matter of fact we, I had a, I did the thing with a Soda Stereo. We played in front of fifty thousand people in Foro Sol, and five days later, I, I was supposed to be at the Vive Latino, which was this huge festival at the same place, this big, big venue, in Foro Sol, uh, and uh, and I canceled. I came back to Los Angeles because people were coming from Spain. Remember, at the beginning, Spain was, and there were bands coming from Spain and stuff. And we said, no, 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 no. We talked to you know some people and doctors that said, man, come back. 
you know so but it was funny it was around that time to see him you know so sick on screen and then at the following day yeah. hearing that he had you know covid it was like oh man yeah. I'll, i'll i'll tell you i'll tell you about my tom hanks dream another time it's it's pretty profound but um so i want to ask you specifically about this movie uh <laughs> how you know there's such big stakes right yeah. Uh, and it's it's essentially global apocalypse. What were the conversations like about capturing the tone? And I'll and I'll I will I will lead with lead you a little bit. I noticed that towards the beginning, it's very epic, and the tone is can go either way. And there's something incredibly refreshing about without spoiling anything. Uh, it lightens. And I think that's a big po- that's a big point of the movie. So I'm curious if what the conversations were like about capturing the tone of the movie. To be honest, I mean, uh, we I know Miguel. I met Miguel years ago. <clears throat> He was doing his previous film, which actually I didn't end up doing it. I don't remember exactly what was the reason, but we always wanted to to work together. I'm glad that I didn't get involved in that picture because he he uh, he got into a big problem with the production company. And so it, it, the project ended up being one of those that end up like a nightmare, you know, mm-hmm. between the, the director and producer and stuff. And, you know, it's the kind of scenario you don't, don't, want, don't want to be in there, you know? So I'm glad that we didn't do that. But, uh, but we won't always had that thing about perhaps doing something together. Then he did all those, you know, Game of Thrones thing and then became more, much more relevant. And you know, I don't know if you know this, but Miguel is, is the son of two Argentinians mm. uh, that actually emigrated uh, uh, during, I think, military rulers and stuff in Argentina to, to England and that's where he was raised. But I believe he was even born in Argentina, <clears throat> Miguel. Mm. Uh, and he speaks, you know, he speaks Argentinian, Spanish Argentinian, Uh, and then he speaks like a Brit, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he gave me total freedom to mm-hmm. do what I really wanted to, to do. And believe me, it was a I don't I all the movies that I've done. If you check uh, the list of of pictures that I've been involved, uh, they are all uh, authors' movies. They're movies, uh, you know, and where no really big studios have been involved. If they were, they came at the very end when everything was done already. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this case was different because this case was Amblin was involved. So it was, you know, uh, Spielberg and Semakis. And, you know, although I've never m- met them, you know, I met Steven briefly after I won my Oscar for uh, Brokeback Mountain. I mean, he was so, so kind to come and congratulate me and uh, but uh, but I never really actually met with him but uh, but uh, it, it was amazing the the fact that they let me do what I wanted to do you know what I mean that it was uh, pretty pretty of course I mean you know we we some things you know we we have to address some some specific things that 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 uh, that were different perhaps of anything that I've done before because there were, for example, big action scenes, you know, <clears throat> also with a big orchestra, <clears throat> you know? <clears throat> so, I mean, the interesting thing about it is, for example, that I, I did all the percussion 
main the main percussion I did myself or with drums that I collect. So it's not, you know, the typical Sicario drums, you know, that you hear, you know, these are, these have a a timber, a characteristic, different characteristic, the the drums. Uh, But to combine that with this large orchestra and working again with David Campbell, who is, you know, my, 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 one of my favorite uh, persons. I mean, he's a, he's, tremendous, tremendous uh, arranger and orchestrator. Um, it was very different of anything that I thought. I've worked with David many times, you know, I did Brockback and many other things, records and things, but we never did something of this uh, this scope that we went for something very, very small, you know, to something huge, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so it was a, 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 big, a big challenge. Uh, but I love it. I love how the music came out. I mean, I love the, the film and I love how the music all came together, really. Me too. I, I you know, when you speak about the storm, I, specifically, there's, there's this uh, eminent storm that's coming. Yes. And what I found to be really impressive with some of those uh, tracks, you start, you, you know, it's ominous. But somehow you find a way to keep the tension crescendoing and crescendoing and crescendoing and crescendoing. And I'm like, where's he getting all this power from? It's, you know, (laughs) it keeps going. Like you start at 10 and then you get to 11. Then you get to, you know, when you think that 10 is the top, but you can. Amazing. Amazing. Those things are really a labor, a, a team labor, you know, because it has to do a lot with, uh, um, as I said, the, 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 for me, the instrument, instrumentation, the orchestration, uh, but also, uh, obviously, I mean, the writing, the, the orchestration, but also the recording, the way it is recorded and the way it is mixed, because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the compression, everything that it will, will help you or not help you if you don't do it right to create those that range of mm-hmm. of impact yeah yeah that because, makes sense. if you hit that point you know then you know it, sometimes you know with limiters or with with too much compression then you you just we're not going to be able to go further up so the to balance all that so you can get impacts and still go even a notch up you know it is also a, a labor of of that has to do with the recording and the mixing you know yeah thank you for that i'm going to listen back with think i was not thinking in those terms at all that makes a lot of sense um same thing with butterfly the butterfly ah, okay bueno, guys, i love that you that 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 cue is like you know is that i started with that you know that guitar that is that's the, the only thing that i had at the beginning you know mm-hmm. 
but uh, and I was trying to do something like what I will do with a Ron Rocco, but with an electric and very, very high pitch and stuff, and, and with a lot of uh, reverb and create this atmosphere. And uh, it's just beautiful. I mean, I, uh, sometimes I, I, um, I feel sorry that, that some scenes are not longer, you know? I usually compose the music. I, I usually write uh, not to picture, you know, I just write the pieces and then I adapt them, adapt them to picture, you know, right? Mm. So Butterfly in its original form, it's longer, mm. you know, and it, it doesn't have those cuts that it has at the end, you know, which are very nice. I love them. I actually, if, if, I would like to have a longer version with that incorporated too. But it was a, 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 a version in which uh, that melody developed more and stuff. I want to hear that version. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to send that to me. Um, I want to ask you about these other instruments, the, the guitars, the string instruments. I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, so I'm not going to... Yes. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, I've asked other composers and, and players this, and I'm really trying to figure it out. Beyond the portability of these instruments, yes, they, why, why do they resonate so deeply across the world? There are many instruments. We have many choices, right? I mean, is it just that you can play on a guitar or these instruments, you can play a harmony and melody? Is it the range? Why does it just immediately, when you hear something finger picking, yes. everyone understands something. 
and and, just, and, 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 and also the Ron Rocco, man. Yeah. The Ron Rocco has, has a spirit in that instrument that is amazing. The, the day that I discovered that, you know, it was like, I don't know, it was something, you see. And you know that now there's tons of tutorials. The instrument didn't exist. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not saying this. Nobody knew about this instrument because it belongs to the family of the charangos. So everybody talks about the charango, the charango. But the charango is a higher pitch, but not only it's a higher pitch, it's an instrument that has much more tension in the strings. Therefore, it doesn't have sustain. There's no sustain in the charango. So that's why they always have to go with a quick, they're a lot like a mandolin. They have to do a lot of this because you can't finger pick it at charango that much because it just dies. Blink, blink. Mm. Whereas the Ron Rocco, it's a much looser tension mm-hmm. and it, it's a deeper thing, has a bigger box, you know, and you can, which is something that the, uh, the original players of mm-hmm. Charango, who play also Ron Rocco and Charango and all these, these derivatives of the Charango, don't do. It's a technique that they don't use. They don't finger pick, mm-hmm. you know. They, they, I mean, they do something, but for example, you'll never find uh, somebody just playing charango or ronroco by themselves. They always have somebody that comps them, you know? So the reason, I mean, I started playing, fooling around with charango when I was, again, 15, around that, that age. Then with arcoiris, obviously, because I was interested in, in, in using that, I got my first professional charango and I played charango for, for a long time, you know? And uh, then I got uh, my first ronroco without knowing that it was a ronroco. I thought for me it was, ah, it's a charango lower pitch, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I still hadn't discovered it. It wasn't until a moment years after that I found this particular instrument that this luthier made. And I tried at a music store in Argentina and just boom, got it. So I started, I mean, I, I had recordings that I was uh, compiling for me, you know, for years. I never put, put them out. It were things that I was just keeping for myself. And say so one day, maybe I do something with this. And I got invited to produce a compilation by one of the greatest charango players in the world named Jaime Torres. He's kind of like a Ravi Shankar of uh, the charango. He's oh. passed away here. But uh, he was an older older guy. And uh, I grew up listening to him and stuff. And so, so for me, it was like unbelievable that I got a chance to produce this compilation. I, I, I never met him before. So I listened to more than 400 of his recordings. And uh, I put together the album and I got to meet him and I was dying to play him the stuff that I did, you know, and that I've been keeping for years, you know. But at the same time, I was very shy because I knew that I play with a technique that is totally different of what they do, you know, and this is like very traditional players and this, you know. So finally, I took, you know, courage and I, I, I gave him, I remember at the time, a cassette, okay? I gave him a cassette and I told him, uh, Jaime, this is something that some friends of mine do. You know, and uh, he called me like three days later and say, man, you are playing here. And uh, and I said, yeah, well, but you, why didn't you tell me? I said, no, because, you know, I, I don't play with the technique. He said, there's no rules about you have to make a record. You have to make a record. So he pushed me to make 
the album that is Ron Rocco, which is the album that opened the doors to the movies for me. And that album uh, comprises 13 years of recordings. So that album is 13 years of my life are in that record. Wow. Recordings wow. of, uh, you know, so, so and, and that, that Michael Mann, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu, and then one thing led to another one, you know, Motorcycle Diaries and... That's wow. the Ron Rocco. Going back to the thing, the yeah. Ron Rocco, he told me you 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 found the spirit of the instrument, you know, and the instrument because of the tuning also, the which is very particular, just just I don't know, it just puts you in a in a place in immediate immediate, and now you have tons of people playing, which I love, you know, and tutorials about playing the Usayalakiaka or all this my 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 tunes, you know, and and you see now credit in records that say Ron Rocco, Ron Rocco. And I'm telling you, that instrument it wasn't nowhere to be seen before. Nobody recognized it. But for me, this serves like a, you know, a name of its own Ron Rocco. It's not a charango, you know, it's 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 a Ron Rocco. Yeah, know? it's, and, and you know, when you put, I noticed sometimes you add some reverb to it and it just, just I mean, like opens up the whole world and stops you. Yeah. Right? And I, I, I got this, I sort of invented, I don't know, I have a peculiar way of doing one of the pickings that I do, which mm -hmm. is an arpeggio, you know, mm -hmm. that I feel very proud just because this, just because one day I went to give a, a speech at, uh, at a film festival in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And usually when I do talks, I do talks, you know, at the end, I always like play Sure. One song or two things, you know, which is like a, like a like a little present there, you know, for for the people. And so I brought my Ron Rocco, you know, and I played Iwasu, who which has that particular picking that I'm talking to you about, which is very uh, particular. People think that are several instruments. It's just me, one instrument, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, And so when I finish playing, I play applause. And when this this bandit, two people come to talk to me, you know, and I'm like, I know this guy, you know. It was Bella Fleck. Amazing banjo player with his wife, who supposedly is another incredible banjo player, too. And he wanted to ask me, man, can you show me how you do that picking? Wanted to see how that picking was done because they pick with three fingers and mm -hmm. I pick, I alternate between three and four, but mainly mm -hmm. to create that is four, four, four fingers that I'm using. But it was so funny that the guy was like so intrigued by that. And I've seen people trying to do it, but, but still it's, um, I'm doing now, do you know, are you familiar with this uh, company Spitfire? Yes. Yes, of course. So I'm doing now a, a, a bank of sounds that's of, cool that's super my cool. sounds but that thing i'm not putting in yeah, yeah, that yeah. thing i'm not that's that, yours yeah that no listen if somebody learn it and, and learn how to do it congratulations yeah. it, you know but i'm not gonna put it so you can go prim 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 no yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that but but i'm putting my cans my pvc pipes uh some other other things i, I think it's going to be very very interesting i I love the idea of it's another way of like doing, you know, providing sounds that people can use to create another music, you know? I love yeah, it. Yeah, that's a gift that keeps on giving. 
I love it. Um, let me ask you, uh, I'm conscious of the time, so maybe I can ask you some rapid fire questions. Yeah. If you don't mind. Yeah, we uh, really quickly, if you can just tell me, yes. did, was it a lightning bolt that hit you? That Did it just come out of you, the, the theme to Brokeback? Those simple notes. That's how I imagine it happened. This, that's how it happened. I don't, you know, it's sometimes it's just like this, man. And that was one of those. And so, 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 it, like looking back on it, do you know where it came from? Does it? Does it? No, because no. you just did it, man. You just did like the dream. It's like it's the perfect, simple, elegant encapsulation. And I know. like the idea of of, uh, of simplicity and of you know of very you know. Uh, the one of the things that I, I, I have mentioned you know several times that uh, I, I love to play instruments that I don't know how to play because mm-hmm. they put me because as an artist I feel that if you give me something I have to I have to be able to create <clears throat> an, an uh, artistic event one way or another you know so uh, with an instrument that I don't know it puts me in a situation in, in, in very in situations that I like. One is a dangerous situation, situation of danger because you can you know easily fuck up. You know what I mean? You just sure. put so is that tension already there? Then <clears throat> it demands me to be minimalistic because I don't know the instrument, so I have to try to do a lot with two notes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? so. Uh, uh, it gives me a sense of of playfulness, you know. One of the things that I like about uh, uh, the in this particular case, the English language is because you say to play an instrument, you know. We say tocar un instrumento. Tocar is like touch an instrument, you know. But you say to play an instrument, to play, play. It's like the kids, to, you know, play, you know. Uh, <clears throat> and I've never thought of it like that. Thank you for that. So, so you know, I I. Uh, I, I, that thing when I'm with an instrument that I don't know, it's like a kid in front of a thing that you, you know, you, so it's that playfulness, that danger, that minimalistic thing uh, that, that I like. And the biggest example, because all, all these things are based on experiences that I had that I can, that I can, uh, uh, it's not just ideas that, you know, but I don't know. It's, so the, the big example of this is Babel. In Babel, I had to choose what instrument was going to be the instrument. I wanted to find an instrument that I could use to conduct the story. And I always was very interested in the oud, because the oud is the ancestor of the lute, therefore the ancestor of the guitar. So it was all this relationship. And of course, I wanted to do the music of, of uh, Babel that, that had to be like a world, sort of world music, but not necessarily identifiable with a particular country. I didn't want to be like a documentary, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I found it in the wood, p- perfect thing because it connected with the Arab world, but obviously I don't play it like the wood players play because I don't know how to play it. And I, I don't, didn't play with a pick, I finger pick it. Uh, it it reminded me a little bit of the Koto and also connect with the guitar with the Mexican uh, American border. 
and that's a very very difficult instrument because the the you know the the neck of the thing is very short like a like a violin you know like a cello something like that no frets so it's you know titanic you know what i mean it's, you go, boom, you know? so uh and uh and you know it is the core you know although i mean there are guitars too and there's a uh, ron rocco but uh the 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 wood is all over the 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 score and uh it was the only time that i played the instrument and i never played again and it gave me my second oscar <laughs> <laughs> talking about playing an instrument that you don't know how to play you know I had two things. Number one, I always thought that, that God's response uh, to the Tower of Babel was a little disproportionate. Um, but come on. <laughs> you, know, you, have, you have a lot of your resources here. You don't have to give us uh, a lifetime of confusion, endless confusion. Um, uh, and two, what's it like, man, to win an Oscar, let alone two? I mean, it's like the goal of so unbelievable. many. It's unbelievable. I still don't believe it, you know. It's, it's something that it's beyond, you know. I, for me, I mean, the 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 first one, uh, it was, you can imagine, I mean, something out of any my, my imagination. I never thought. I I always had a feeling, always since I was a kid, that I had something that could connect with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I always felt that, you know. Uh, but I never thought in my wildest imagination that it could take me to win an Oscar, for example, you know? When when that arrived, it was at a point in my life that I felt that it was really like a, a word to all my work, not particularly to Brokeback. I thought, well, it is, but it is obviously to Brokeback, but it is much more than that, you know? Uh, but when the second one, when I won the second one, you know, uh, the, the, the nice thing about that one was that it gave me a little bit of, peace of mind in the sense of uh, you know one you can always be you know you get good luck you know what I mean uh, it's like with the Grammys you know one year you know the, the first time that I was nominated for a Grammy I lost mm. I thought that was the end I thought man I mean you know this was you arrived here you got to this point you were there and you lost that's it you know and I lost now I have 17 Latin Grammys and two a Grammys, so, and and what happened with that, we and with the Oscar one, the second Oscar was like it gave me like I relax, I could relax a little bit with me because I'm very demanding with myself, you know. Mm. It was like that's it, man, relax. I mean, you you, you it, there's something that you're doing that connects with people, and that's the, the that this is the message, you know. The message is that truly there's must be something that you're doing that touches people in a particular way. And so relax, you, you, you know, you did it. <laughs> That's great. That's cool. <clears throat> that must be an amazing feeling. Um, do you have, uh, I have three really quick questions for you. Yes. They're not quick. It's a little bit mean for me to say that they're quick, but we'll make them quick. Okay. Okay. Um, do you have a dream collaboration or dream project that you would like to do? I have many. <laughs> okay. I have many, many. I have doing. I'm doing now a, a few projects. Uh, I mean, I'm doing a couple of projects with NASA, uh, but uh, um, I, uh, I there's there's so many things I still wanted wanted to do. You know, I I wanted to, I want to experiment more with. Uh, you know, we know music anyhow always 
does provoke things in people, right? But I, I really like to explore more how can we use music uh, to uh, as a uh, therapeutic thing, you know, as, as, a, as a therapy, you know? Uh, how can, with frequencies, we can, <clears throat> you know, create uh, an environment that is more conductive to heal yourself you know for I, you're speaking my language man that is i the therapy music is therapy i think music is always as you said you touched upon it earlier i in in college i, I studied uh, music and cultural cognition so that you know the function of music and uh how it functions in different settings different cultures etc and how it can be a therapeutic quality i Right. Could not agree with you more. I think it's a totally untapped, not totally untapped. No, not totally, because I mean, they, they are doing, but but they, it seems to be, there's always seemed to be somehow uh, done from the same type of angle. I'm, I'm, I, I, I like to explore other ways. I, I can't uh, say, it, but for example, I've been very interested in quantum uh, physics, quantum mechanics in the last, uh, I don't know, five, six years. I've more i mean i'm not a, an expert by no means at all but i'm very very interested i'm very interested in in trying to do uh some projects that will unite uh science technology and an art you know and music obviously as one of the main uh, art forms involved uh, and i actually got the chance while well, doing these things with nasa and i actually was at cern uh, like a couple of years ago i got the possibility to go to cern i actually went down to the accelerator you know which was a very rare occasion because usually that's functioning and you can't go uh, and also it's a I mean, it's one of those type of security places that you have to put your eye, you know, with oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. I mean, it's really something else. Uh, and I went down to accelerator. I play there, uh, and uh, so I'm, 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 I'm very. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to, 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 to see if there's something that we can unite uh, technology, science, and uh, and music to to do something along the lines that we were saying you know so that's fascinating did you so you gave a performance you gave a no, I did. No, no, I just I just played for the people that were there you know yeah <laughs> okay but but like to the bugs higson or whatever um okay so let me ask you two two more questions um yeah. advice for upcoming musicians okay for upcoming musicians i always say three things and i think it applies to musicians or to almost almost anything that you want to do. Uh, first of all, I'm a true believer in uh, discipline and, and work. You know, uh, I love that, I, that Picasso famous phrase, uh, I, I hope inspiration finds me working, you know? Uh, so I, 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 I'm, uh, I don't believe, you know, I don't sit on a couch waiting for the light bulb to go ping oh i have a i i i work i work and some then i connect you know what i mean but it's just like a procedure of work it's like a work ethic you know it's like picasso will get up in the morning and just paint that was his job you know we are like you know art workers you know what i mean it's like you know men at work well you know men at work creating but uh, that concept you know obreros de la musica 
Uh, so I that for me very important the concept of eighty percent perspiration, twenty percent inspiration. Right. Mm -hmm. Once you you have that, um, find your voice, who you are, your identity. Who, what are you going to bring to the table? You know, uh, you play trumpet. Okay, what is going to be your sound? or your style, the way you're going to express, you're an actor, the same, you're a guitar player, you're a singer. I mean, who are you? What is your identity? What is going to make people uh, realize that that is you and not somebody else, you know? Uh, so find your identity, your voice. And then the third thing is stick to that vision. Once you have that vision, you know, continue working, you know, you have the, the working ethic, you have already your vision or you're developing and stuff, okay, be true to that vision. Because at the beginning of the career, and then also when you're very successful, you will have situations that appear in front of you or offerings that not necessary, you know, are reverberate with your vision, what you want to do, you know? And some people say, well, you know, I'm going to do this now, you know, until, you know, to, so, so I can make ends meet and then I'm going to do what I want. And I'm talking for myself now because I understand sometimes, you know, you have uh, obligations or things, but uh, for me, it always being like going out in the wrong exit of the freeway. And when you go out and then you're lost and then you have to find again the coming in and it might take you long or not long, come back, but you're already late you're late already, you know, to the place that you were going. Um, and sometimes you never find the place, <laughs> you know, the entrance again, you know, um, or you take it the other way. And, you know, so I, in my experience, <clears throat> you know, I always stayed true to my vision. And uh, I went through, I mean, I have a, a, a great story. Uh, when I came to, to, to this country, you know, uh, after a year when, when I saw all this music change that I was in, I, I started writing music in, you know, in this new format, it was kind of like a new wave punk jazz uh, style, something, you know, I had a band called Wet Picnic at the time, you know, <clears throat> and, uh, and I distributed uh, cassettes, music, I sent my music to different publishers and stuff, and Nothing, click, 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 <laughs> <You know? laughs> crickets. Only one guy answered the, the thing, you know. He was a, a, a publisher at uh, uh, Island, Island Publishing. Yeah? So we, I got together with a guy, a really nice guy, and, and we, we listened to my tape, and then I brought the guitar, I played some songs, and then we finished, and he said, well, let me tell you, I, I think you, know, you have a great voice, you're a great man, songwriter and stuff, but, you know, all your songs, every, you know, they seem to go okay. And at certain point, you seem to hit the wrong chord. You seem to hit like the wrong note, the wrong chord, you know? Mm -hmm. And I thought it was great what he was telling me, you know? I said, you know, I know probably this means that we're not going to work together, but what you're telling me, I take it as a compliment because I am looking for that note. I'm looking for that point of inflection. You know what I mean? So, <clears throat> so cut the scene like in a movie. And many years, you know, I've always told this story sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes a guy told me, you know, that I hit the wrong chord. Well, check this, you know, boom, boom. 30 years later, there's a, a tribute to uh, Neil Young that the Grammy organizes. I'm with another guy from the industry and he said, oh, come, I wanted to introduce you to, to this person, you know, and it's this guy. He wants to introduce me to this guy. 
And because with Bajo Fondo, we have done collaborations with my, my, my tango rock band and stuff. We have collaborated with Elvis Costello and different people we have recorded. We wanted to do something with Tom Waits. And this guy handled Tom Waits publishing, you know? And so somebody already had contacted him regarding Bajo Fondo, you know, the band, my band, and me and stuff. So when, when they introduced me to him, you know, he goes, oh, Gustavo, yeah, you're the guy from the Oscars. Yes, he said, no, he said, no, 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 no. You, remember, you used to have an office in this place, in this place. And the guy said, and you told me something that I never forgot. And the guy was like, pale, you know, like, what did I say <laughs> this guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He said, you, know, I said, you said something because I never hold uh, any bad feelings to the guy. And the, he was the only guy that actually reacted to my music, you know. So, you know, you told me this, 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 this. And you said, you know, that that my songs were okay, my music was okay. But then I always seem to hit the wrong note, the wrong chord. And you said, and you know what? People like that wrong chord and that wrong thing now. And I have an anecdote that is fantastic that ties all this, which is when I met Anne Hathaway, one of the stars of Brokeback Mountain, you know. Yeah. She said, you know, when I heard the, the taran, 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 when I heard that dissonance, I went, man, this is great. <laughs> true story. True story. Yeah, that's true. So it was perfect. So I told him this and the guy couldn't believe it. You know, it's at the point that he was at dinner with, I don't know, a thousand people and stuff. When he was done, he came with his wife looking for me he wanted me to introduce introduce to his wife and his wife was saying no he couldn't stop talking about you and the <laughs> anecdote and this i don't know the guy must have thought gee i had a guy that went to win two oscars and i passed on him you know <laughs> no i mean something but uh, it was great so you know that's that's fantastic and i have to say i totally echo what you're saying about wrong notes i mean i'm sitting here talking to you very happily in part because I am where I am because of one wrong note in my life. I can say really quickly, when I was a kid taking piano lessons with a very strict, very good, but very strict uh, piano teacher, yeah. you know, classical by the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she had her pencil hovering over me every second. Um, good woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, but so, so one time she got up to use the restroom. And I was just uh, playing heart and soul, you know, you know, that song. And I, and I made a mistake. It was uh, a blue note. I just like on a third, you know, I just, and I was like, that sounds great. It <laughs> sounds amazing. Well, in the way, when she wasn't there, when she wasn't looking and I discovered there's a whole, there was like a portal, but it was one wrong note was a portal into another. It wasn't universe. the wrong note. It was the right note. It was exactly. the perfect note. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's a great thing and a great relationship that I have with mistakes. Yeah. Mistakes, you always have to pay attention to mistakes because mistakes, lots of mistakes are, you know, just mistakes, but lots of, lots of mistakes are really incredible hits. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, you know, th this is it. Very important. Mistakes are important. Uh, you know, Brian Eno said that are uh, hidden intentions. I truly believe that. You know what I mean? A it's a fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> He's, he said it, you know. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. Last question. I promise. Yeah. Last question. Yes. Last question. Yes. Um, really, really, I swear. Last question. Um, one song. You get one song or, or uh, to play before God. You are, you are summonsed <laughs> and you are asked to perform. 
one song. The the thing is that okay, Michael. If if I was to I was to perform really, uh, I don't know that many songs. I mean, I know, but I don't I don't play that many songs that are not songs that I wrote. You know what I mean? I just doodle on some of them, but uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a big question, man. <laughs> it's a big question, and it can be answered however you want because it's your thought experiment just as much as it is. if you want to doodle. Yes. Doodle. <laughs> no, no, man. because in in a in a way, I feel I would like to play perhaps uh, Iwasu, which is a you know an instrumental with Ron Rocco. But at the same time, I would like to to sing with my voice. And you know, I know what I will sing. I will sing uh, uh, a song that I is the song that I finish my concerts with, and it's an anonymous song. It's a song from uh, uh, the north north of Argentina. Uh, it's a baguala. It's a, it's, a, it's a type of music that you play only with a hand drum, hand drum. Mm -hmm. And it's tritonic. It's only three notes. Uh, and I do it at the end of my concerts. I uh, take the microphone out and I sing it a cappella. A cappella, but with no microphone. In mm. the no microphone. Just the sound of the of the venue. You know? And, yeah. uh, and, uh, and it, believe me, you, you can hear it because it's very, it's out there. And it's a, it's a song that it's called No Se Que Tiene Mis Penas. I don't know what my pains have. Mm, that's nice. Very, 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 very strong. I well, think you I can find it, it on the net. You might find it on the net, a version of that uh, in, uh, in YouTube, you know, something. I, I can't wait to see you do it live. No se que tiene mi pena. It's a, it's a just gut wrenching, heart breaking song. Well, thank you so much, Gustavo. I could really grill you forever, but uh, I really appreciate your time. I uh, really do. As you can see, I, I don't have any problem. I have so many stories by now, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm considering writing a book now because I've, you know, for years, I mean, people have been contact for the last 15 years. Every year, now you got to write a book, now you got to write a book, a book. And uh, I always felt, no, you know, because the book is for Ray. I have too many things to do yet, you know, to, but, uh, but I'm considering now, you know. Please do. Yeah.